Welcome to the Writer's Block Party Podcast with your hosts Meredith Bond and Prue Warren, where they discuss every aspect of a writer's life, from the craft of writing and editing, through publishing and marketing, and finally into building a global publishing empire. Here is Mary and Prue. Hello and welcome to the Writer's Block Party podcast. I am Meredith Bond. I am the experienced writer of our duo. And here is my co-host. I'm Prue Warren. I'm in my apprenticeship. <laughs> learning, 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 learning. And learning so quickly. And today we have, Prue, we have another very experienced author with us. We have Jody Vaughn. Yes. Welcome so much, Jody. Uh, Jody and I know each other through Amy Atwell, who has formatted your books for you for years. Is that right? No, actually, she just uploaded to Apple. Okay. Yeah. She just uploads for you. And now I upload for you. <laughs> so I know just how prolific you are. Tell us, <laughs> how many books have you published? Oh, my gosh. I was counting them up last night. I want to say 28, maybe. This is the thing, thing, Jody, that really does sort of dazzle me, is that experienced authors can never give you, like I know, five, five. (laughs) I've got them sitting right here. They're emblazoned on my soul, five. And, And there's something about these experienced authors who just, you know, like it depends on how you count them. I don't know, you know, like 28. You and Meredith, both of you, are very casual about something that seems to me to be terribly important. <laughs> I know. It just kind of runs together after a while. You're like, you know, once you put another book up and it's like, well, was that 25 or 26? I don't know. Can't even imagine. What is your genre? Oh, gosh. Okay. So I, when I first started writing, uh, I wrote under my real name, Jody Vaughn. And under that, under that name, it's paranormal romance and a little bit of contemporary romance. There was a small series that I threw out there. Over the past year, I started a pen name, uh, Jody Allen Bryce, and that is women's fiction and small town romance. I want to do, because I'll put it in the show notes so people can find you, J-O-D-I in both cases. Yes. And yep. is Vaughn, you don't have that second A, it's V-A-U-G-H-N? Yes. Okay, Correct. so that's how people uh, who are looking at Amazon can look up Jody Vaughn for Paranormal Contemporary and Jody Allen Bryce, A-L-L-E-N? Yes. And B-R-I-C-E. Yes. I know that this is a really exciting podcast when we go through spelling. (laughs) (laughs) Pay attention, listener. We're going to spell for you. (laughs) And you've done the, I I think we could probably talk to you for the full time on your experiences as a writer. But in this case, Mary suggested you because you have translated books into German and just sitting down, I have a list of 15 questions that's like, I am really ready to vampire off your knowledge okay anytime (laughs) she's looking nervous Prue (laughs) how did you decide what made you what made you say I'm gonna try translation 
I was talking to some other author friends and I think I was at a writer conference and the presenter started talking about translations. And so I was like, well, instead of doing another book, another product, translations is another product. So I did some research, got online, and I realized that uh, Germany is a big book market. It's huge. I've heard that. Yes. Yeah. So I actually started with Germany and I also have them in French. So France Mm. and I now with Italian. Wow. So So, where do you find your translators? Babel Cube is a good, if you don't have a whole lot of startup, Babel Cube is a good place where you can kind of like you do a royalty split with the audio narrator. Babel Cube is a great place to find a, a good narrator. I mean, a good translator. Try to get on, you know, just word of mouth, like who do you use? Usually authors don't give that up because they are booked so far out. And when you get a good translator, you keep them. So that, you know, both ways is a good option, not advocating one or the other. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, but you mentioned the royalty split with the audio narrator. So you are, you're looking at not only translating the printed word, but you're translating the audio book as well. Okay. <laughs> so I have a lot of my books in audio, not German or not foreign audio. That also is something that is on the rise. A lot of authors are getting uh, German narrators to narrate their books as well. So I'm not sure. Sh- I would think that that would be a big market too. But personally, I haven't done that yet. But that's on the list. That is on the list. I think that's just absolutely terrifying because, of course, once you get a translator, you found someone who you think you can trust. If you don't speak German, how do you know? How do you know? You get a German. You do. Yes. I would expect that you would need a a proofreader. Yes. Not just for typos, but also to see how how it the writing flows. And te- yes, it's very different. They, a lot of, okay, for instance, when um, I, under Jody Vaughn, I've got a Vampire Housewife series. The blurb was, call it a little bit off color. I think I used the phrase, he was about as attractive as a turd in a punch bowl. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. And my, trans- my translator came back and said, uh, we don't say that over here. <laughs> we say, you know, he is about attractive as a pimple on his butt. That's wow. what she came So I was like, okay, that's good to know. Not everybody knows what that means. Right. So, yeah. Well, that's but that's good. one of the other things I wanted to know about is how you handle cultural differences. I, do you, if you're writing in German, do you change? We had hot dogs. Do you change it to we had worst? Ah, that's good. I just send my English, you know, the English uh, product and they, they'll come back and they'll say, you know, we don't say whatever, like we don't say cookies, we say biscuits or we say, and right. can that? yes. So you, you'll get back and forth, you know, it's not, they know what's going to be receptive over there as a, you know, as far as language and dialect and all of that. So, yeah. So that's why languages, I mean, that's why getting a really good translator is so important because they kind of have to be an editor too. Yes. And also they're not just translating word for word. They're kind of rewriting the book. 
Yes. That's the thing, especially it, it's it's basically like that because when we say a sentence, like you can take an English sentence and go to Google Translate, and when you put it in, it comes out something totally different. So yeah, they have to manipulate it and reword it so it fits their language. So you, you really need to trust them. Yes. <laughs> so you when you when you say, gosh, today I'm going to hire a translator, you need so much more than just a translator. You need you need someone who's obviously very intelligent, someone who is uh, up to speed on American culture as well as German culture. And then you need to find a proofreader. And then yes. you need to find someone who can read for the quality of the translation. Do you literally have two different people who read this, the translator's book? Yes. Wow. Okay. How'd you find them? Ooh. <laughs> word of mouth. A lot of it came by word of mouth. Uh-huh. Um, ask your author friends, see. And a lot of times if your author friends were caught up on their books and their narrator needs something else, then, you know, if they have time in their slot, they'll do that. I think that's the best way. You can, I'm trying to think what else you could do. I mean, you could put out that you're looking for a narrator and, you know, like. Or a proofreader. Or a proofreader, yes. Yes. Hard. Work is pretty solid. Well, but it must be kind of terrifying to trust strangers with your baby. It is a leap of faith to determine if it's because, I mean, you can do an, you know, a translator and then an editor, but your reviews, you need to look at your reviews. Once you start getting reviews, God, Um, that's something I didn't even write down. Reviews. You're going to have to run that through. You can either ask your narrator, like, what does this say? Or you can just run it through Google translate, which is easier. And yeah, I mean, if you have a good, product you know they'll you know they're like I like the story blah 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 if you have a bad product they will say this sounds like it came you know through Google Translate or AI did this or and then you have to question you know like hey did you do your job I'm getting a lot of bad it's a lot of wow terrifying you're very brave (laughs) do you mind the practical question of how much does it cost some people just, don't like to talk about money and that's okay, but it varies. It can, if you're paying out of pocket, like if you don't go through Babel Cube and you're paying out of pocket, it can get expensive. I've heard authors say anything from 3000 to 5000 a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard one author say that she's paid almost $10,000 for Spanish, Wow, trans- which I've not done Spanish. It's um, highly pirated. Uh, Spanish versions are highly powered. So I don't know that it would be worth it. Um, That's remarkable. That's remarkable. Now, when you said, when you first spoke about Battlecube, you said it was a royalty split with the audio narrator, but you're talking about a royalty split with the translator as well? Just the trend. I'm just talking about translator. You can, that way okay. you don't have any money up front. You can do Battlecube. And then uh, like with ACX, do you have to just sell through them? Yes, they upload to everything. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So and if then you, use, you get a percentage if, of of what they get as the yes. royalty. Yes. So you just go to Babelcube and say, get this translated. They handle the translation. They handle uploading. But they take 
50% of your profits. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is that a good estimate? 50%? It's been a while since I've been on there. Uh, I'm sorry. You don't have to be the authority on Babelcube. I'm sure, I'm sure it's listed on there. If anybody's interested, they can go and look it up. So you don't, you don't have to do it. Who handles a new cover? Who handles a new back? Or do you use the same cover as Uh, your American version? So if you have a evergreen cover, something that's not stale, something that will, when a, a reader finds your book, if it looks like the genre you're writing in, if it's evergreen, you can use the same cover. I know traditional publishers will change each country to each. I found I've not had to do that. I changed the covers and the titles of my werewolf series a few years ago to make them more evergreen. And all I've done is just change the title into French or German, Italian, whatever, and it still sells. So as long as you have a cover that's evergreen, that's one less expense, you know, than trying to have a whole different cover for a specific country. I've heard that different images sell better in different countries. That's the only reason, I suppose. Well, I don't, uh, that may be true. I've noticed on the first book in my werewolf series, I've in Germany, I've gotten reviews. I put it, I did a promo for it as the same time that I did my Jody Allen Bryce, the first book. And I was expecting the paranormal to rank higher and sell more, you know, copies. And actually the small town Jody Allen Bryce, it got, I think I'm up to 400 re- reviews in Germany. Nice. They don't review in Germany. They don't, I mean, it's not like America, like when you, you know, can get a couple thousand, couple what? Oh, they, shut up! Oh my they, god! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had four hundred reviews. I was like, oh, okay. So and they were good. <laughs> and they yeah they were yeah I think four point five out of five, and the reviews were good. So yes, good. Oh, your back your back matter must say please go and review this bitter. Um, <laughs> you put that in there. <laughs> It doesn't. Wait a minute. You did not prompt your German readers to write a review and 400 of them wrote a review anyway. Yes. Or either they ranked it because I was looking at the stars. There's like. Sure. Sure. Well, you must be very good. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Wow. So have you done any of these without Babelcube where you've had to go on and negotiate uploading to other other um, like Amazon outlets? I have some, not all. And again, it's hard to find a a translator that's not taken. That's the hardest part because they're so booked out. An author finds a translator, they'll keep them. And yeah, but yeah, I have done that. So the uploading, because when in the very beginning of this conversation, Meredith said that she was uploading your stuff to Amazon. Do you have someone who can negotiate the Amazon Germany website? Or is it the same? It's the same. It's it's the same. All you you do is change your country. So like when I upload Amazon uh, for my English books, it's Amazon.com. So for my German, it's Amazon.de, which is Germany. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't automatically put you into a, a form that shows up in German. No, no. Why not? I'm sure German authors are seeing it in German. How does Amazon know? very scary. They're very scary. 
I, I, obviously, if Babelcube is is doing the uploading, then this question is sort of moot. But where else besides Amazon do you sell, for example, your German translations? Do you go through Kobo and Barnes and Nobles and all those? I don't do uh, Barnes and Nobles because it's not international. I mean, you may have a German person living in America that may want to read a German book. So, but yeah, Kobo, um, Google. Apple, of course, Amazon. Yeah. You just change your country. It's just like uploading a regular English book. That's wild. Okay. Now, how do you handle, do you have a newsletter? Do you have subscribers to your newsletter? Yes. How do you handle it in German? So I don't use my newsletter internationally. Like I, should. I have on my website, like the different stores, like the German store, and then they'll hit that flag actually it's a flag of that country and i'll put all of my german translations under that page of my website yeah if i'm you know i can always it's always short and sweet when i do a german or a french newsletter because it basically you just want them to know there's a new book out so sometimes you can just use something short and sweet in google translate and that's totally fine they're just looking for the next book where do we go next so, but I do need to utilize that more. That's, you know, that's a good way to get new readers. And I have a free, I think I have a free book on my German and French on the werewolves. So they'll sign up, get the free book, and then join my newsletter from there. And it was a short book. I think I, I wrote it specifically so that I could get uh, more readers. But yeah, newsletters help. It's interesting to me that now you're maintaining four separate newsletter lists. You're maintaining one that speaks in English, one that speaks in German, one that speaks in French, one that speaks in Italian. When you decide, I think I'll get a book translated and you're changing your website. I mean, it's, it's spreads everywhere. Yes. It's, it's when every time you add a new, well, for me, every time I add a new page to my website, that's extra money for my web designer, <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's it's an investment. I see it as an investment. God, it just changes everything. The idea of managing my newsletter for my 582 subscribers, woohoo, um, <laughs> is that's a big deal for me. The idea of also thinking about how am I going to reach German readers, all four of them, that would be, <laughs> I mean, you, you're thinking in geometry and I'm still in simple algebra, a simple, simple playing stuff. So how do you market? How do you, you mentioned something about you ran ads for um, the release of the small town. How do you handle that? Where do you advertise? Well, where and how do you translate them? And who is (laughs) monitoring the results? And how do you know if it's working? Oh my God. (laughs) So I had, I think I ran some, some Amazon ads specifically to that Amazon store for that book. That helped. And I also did a, I think I did a short-term Facebook ad as well. And I targeted three. As far as keywords or whatever you put in, I stuck to what was already translated, like part of the blurb that had been translated. Yeah. I kept it simple. (laughs) You kept it simple. Clearly not. If, so if you could send your manuscript to the translator and say, translate this, and at the end, there's also my back cover copy, my 
my uh, my front matter, my back matter. Here are a couple ads I want to run. Please translate all of this at once while I still have your attention. You have to think in terms of an entire year's worth of translations needs. Right. When you start. Right. That's correct. Yep. Well, so just you like when you publish a new book, you have to think ahead to all of the advertising you're going to do when you when you release it. So it's kind of the same thing. Right. You think ahead. I'm desperately paddling like mad under the surface. The concept of keywords, though, that's a really good one because I spend my time focusing on keywords and I use Publisher Rocket to make sure I'm not choosing a keyword that you are using because obviously you're outselling me. Is there Publisher Rocket? for Germany or for France or for Italy? How do you know if your keywords are going to be effective? That's a good question. Basically, what I do for keywords is I go in and look at authors that write in that same genre, and I'll look at what their category is. Mm -hmm. Authors that rank high. So I go in and I see what categories they've listed, like werewolves and shifters or and rule. But yeah. And are you, I'm sorry to keep harping on this, but you go into Amazon DE and look up who you think another author who writes in your genre and it says Ubershaldus Vindicate under the category. Do you write it down carefully, copying it so that you can choose that when you go onto your Amazon categories? How do you, it seems to me that during this whole process, you need to have a German speaker at your elbow, not allowed to leave until the whole thing is done. (laughs) Yeah, that you could, um, you know, a lot of it is I fly by the seat of my pants. I'm I'm more intuitive than I am a planner. Uh, So I just kind of go with it. If it doesn't work, that's the thing about when you're an indie publisher. If it doesn't work, change it up. Go back. I don't write all of these things down carefully. I probably should. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry to be tormenting you on these details, but you do fascinate me and your courage fascinates me. That's funny. You must be a planner. Are you a planner? Yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a planner. <laughs> I'm a planner. I'm, I'm a desperate, anxious planner. What do you do? So how do you, I mean, are there copyright issues in Germany, France, Italy? So you, it's understood in the contract, like Babel Cube, that the German translator does not own the copyright of your book. You need to look at that very carefully. All of they're doing, they're providing a service, they're translating it for you, but they do not own copyright. And I've never had any issues. I've always copyrighted my stuff and it's understood, you know, through Babel Cube. But again, look at your contract, look at the narrator, I mean, the translator that you're working with. But no, I've never had any issues with that. So the it's Battlecube at least would accept that the U.S. copyright applies internationally as well. I think it does. Good. <laughs> <laughs> so Battlecube also takes care of the taxes that you might have to pay overseas. But the the retailer probably need probably yeah, does that. Yeah. Because if it's uploaded to Amazon, we don't worry about American taxes. Amazon does that. No, that's true. But Amazon does send me a tax statement that says pay your taxes on the money that you've earned. Yeah, but that's the money you've earned. That's your royalties. It's not how many were, yeah. it's not the books yeah. that were sold. Yeah. Then I guess I asked my question wrong. 
<laughs> Supposing you had a tax statement from not Amazon. It was somebody else that Babel Cube had, had sold your book to. Okay. It's obviously, it's obviously more complicated than it needs to be. Never mind. I'm erasing the question and pretending I don't know anything about taxes overseas. <laughs> so for you, obviously, it's been worth it. The expense and the effort and the translation, all of this has been worth it. Yes. Yes. And German was your first. And now you're trying Italian with French in between. And do you agree with what little I've learned, which is that German readers love romance? Yeah. So they think things sell better in Germany than they do in France and Italy is your third in line. So for me, it's German first, then French. I don't have a whole lot of my Jody Allen Bryce in French yet because I had just caught up with the paranormal side and paranormal sold very well. There is an idea that maybe French readers don't, they like steamy and that was steamy. And the Jody Allen Bryce is more small town, sweet romance. But I've had other authors that write sweet and they're killing it in France. So I think it's just, I think it's different for every author. Italian, I have a friend that's doing amazing in Italian. She's, I think she started Italian first um, and she writes sweet. So I think it's just, it's just different for, you know, any author, how many books you have in the series. Is it a series? But there are, it taught me that there are, that's an untapped uh, market is foreign readers and they're looking for authors every day. Wow. That's inspiring. I think it's sort of remarkable that the birth of indie publishing has coincided with the rise of, maybe it's not remarkable, Amazon and Facebook, so that as you look at your two places where you're marketing, you can still work with these, these two behemoths that will promote your works overseas just as happily as they will here in the U.S. Yeah. Fascinating. <laughs> I think the whole thing is fascinating. What do you and got, Mary? Any thoughts? Um, no. Since I live overseas... And I, you know, I was shopping on Amazon.de this morning if, <laughs> because like you do, as, as one does. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because going on Amazon.de, I know that I will see books in both English and German and they have them both. So if I were to look up Jody's books on Amazon.de. It'll probably give me the German ones first, but I can also find the English ones. So if you're uploading to Amazon.com to KDP, where we always upload just like normal, you're also uploading to Amazon.de and Amazon.it and so on and so forth. And so you just upload the same way that you upload your books normally. It's just that it's in a different language. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just have I to make sure the pricing I'm, is right. Oh God, how do you <laughs> how do you calculate pricing? How do you know? You look at what everybody else is selling at. Yes, and it, you always sometimes I have to go back in, and, especially Amazon, to make sure my euros end like ninety nine, like four ninety nine, yeah. mm -hmm. and I have to do that 
for each country. So, you know, Germany and France and, you know, Italy, they all have, they use euros. So I have to go in country by country, which is not that bad in Amazon, but Apple, holy cow. Yeah. Apple makes it really annoying to do that. Yeah. I mean, I went back in after I talked to Mary, I was like, Hey, can I go in and change these myself? (laughs) She's like, yeah. So I spent probably a week going back in and cleaning up the prices of each country. But Um, you also have to think about what is a normal price for that country. So for example, I heard somebody say um, in Australia, they're used to spending a lot more for books than we do in the U.S., that's correct. And so if, but in Europe, people, I mean, the prices, I mean, just judging by, you know, supermarket and so on, the prices are the same, even though, so $4.99 US dollars, the the same thing is going to be $4.99 Euro. And so you don't need to, to make it a different price. You just have to make sure that you have the same price, that they don't just convert the money. Correct. Yes. Yes. I have, I have, I have played on the Apple website myself and I'm not doing other translations or anything. And I want to kill them. (laughs) It's just deliberately obscure. And there are three different ways in, and you can't get to that room from this house. I just want to kill them. And I've been an Apple user since the dawn of time and they're chasing me away. I, I think Amazon is awesome. Awesome. So easy. Amazon is easy. Kobo is even easier. Yes. That's yes, super. I've sold two books on Kobo. <laughs> <laughs> Once you ladies too knew the, the thrill of selling a book on Kobo. Now yeah, you ain't got nothing. <laughs> oh, I hardly ever sell on Kobo. It's a hard market. I am fascinated by this conversation. Jody, you are a font of information. Thank you so much for yapping with us and clarifying such an, a, a, a large ocean of, I don't know. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and we really um, admire your bravery for, for jumping into this ocean. It was the leap, of, the leap of faith. Yes. It was a leap of faith. Very large leap. Yeah. Well, obviously it's working out well. Amazing. Next week, Meredith, you and I are going to talk to Mindy Klasky on the subject of transparency in the publishing industry. (gasps) And when I asked her if she wanted to talk about transparency, she's like, yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) She can be so funny. I have some thoughts on the subject of transparency. (laughs) (laughs) We also have We have um, two sort of exciting podcasts coming up. The first is Kathy Seidel is going to talk to you and me about uh, imagery and theme. She's read one each of our novels, and she's going to talk about that. So She's going to dissect them. She's going to dissect them. If any reader wants to play along, I asked her to read Ellen and the Would-Be Gigolo. And Mary, you asked her to read. I asked her to read A Token of Love. A Token of Love. A charming book. Uh, and then the other other really groovy one we have is Dave Chesson from Kindlepreneur is going to come on and talk to us about their new Atticus system. So that's going to be cool, too. That is so exciting. I can't Something wait. To look forward to. 
Yeah, me so, too. So one week we'll be laying on the floor bleeding and crying hysterically as Kathy destroys our books. And then the next week we'll be all happy and excited again. Yay! <laughs> Although they've got big shoes to fill to beat Jody Vaughn, who I was out of information. Yes. <laughs> Thank you again, Jody. You're awesome. Thanks so much, Jody. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Bye, Mary. That's it for the Writer's Block Party this week. We don't want you getting so drunk on knowledge that you can't drive your laptop safely. But next week we'll be here before you know it, so check out the website at thewritersblockpartypodcast.com one word. That's where you can find our archive of past podcasts and a place where you can get in touch with Mary and Prue or ask questions for the next podcast. Write with joy, friends, and see you next week. (laughs) 